So I couldn't be more excited about this episode and telling you all about the things that we've ruined. I think you're going to enjoy it. I think you're going to hopefully actually be inspired by it more than you're discouraged. That's my hope. Have a listen, share your thoughts, and maybe reach out and share one of your disappointments on the homestead too. There's nothing better in my mind than commiserating with like Hey friends! Welcome to the Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. All right, friends, I'm a little bit worried about this topic because <laughs> of where Lacey might go with it, but it's going to be, uh, can we say like raw and unfiltered? The reality of homesteading, what they don't tell you when... Is that it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that is challenging. But, you know, a lot of... I feel like a lot of the YouTubers out there, a lot of the... I don't know. What do you call it? The big talking heads or... The, the glam fam. Yeah. That don't want you... Or, no. I, no they, I, like, I think that it's a really easy thing to edit. Even the podcast, right? We edit out our ums and our pauses and our errors. Like, just so you know, probably our likes too, and I just said that. So we, we edit out a lot. What you are getting is a refined version. And that's, you know, that's okay. Because you don't want to listen to all listen of to my our ums. ums. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do you want video of a bunch of dead chickens or sheep or garden. You know, like, that's just not... That's not fun. It's not exciting, and it's really honestly hard to. It's not inspiring. Yeah, yeah. It can it can be really yeah discouraging, but I think. So we're gonna dump it all on you today. Yeah, I do think that there's some like this really. First of all, it, we're gonna have to be vulnerable and share a lot of our losses with you, and in doing that, I think it gives you space to feel like, oh, okay, this is normal, and and maybe not normal, maybe not like. Normal to experience loss and heartbreak and failure and all of that is a part of the puzzle. There's one of the this one show that I love and it's like ridiculously if you haven't watched it and there might be a new season and we need to turn on Discovery Plus so we can watch it and I hate turning on new things just to watch one show because then you get drug, drugged in, dragged into a lot of other things. <laughs> but the show is called the uh, what is it called? I don't know. The, the Millionaire one, Undercover Millionaire. Is that uh, the name of it? Oh yeah, yeah. Isn't it Undercover Millionaire? Anyway, what happens is the guy gets dropped off, and the reason I watched the first series is because it happened to be in the town I was born in, in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is a little bit of a, like, ho-hum town where there's not a lot of economical growth. But he was dropped there. He's, like, this bazillionaire. I don't even remember his name. But he was dropped there with, was it $100? $100. With $100 yeah. and nothing. That's it. And a truck. Yeah, he does get a truck, yeah. So, like, a rundown truck, though. Not like a nice a, truck. Not a nice truck. So he has this rundown truck and a hundred dollars, and he's dropped in this town, and that's he has, he has ninety days. Ninety yeah. days, yeah, it was ninety days. Ninety days to make a million dollar make business. Make a million dollar business, yeah, and it is painful to watch. There's two seasons. I think it's painful, and like you're about to say, also encouraging because. Well, thanks for stealing my yeah. punchline. Hey, yep. <laughs> anyway, that's what we're here for. There's some yeah. like element of watching these people who are so successful suffer 
that makes you realize how much it takes to get successful. It's not overnight. It's not like, I mean, we literally have been living this lifestyle for almost 20 years, which hurts a little to say out loud, but it's true. And it's not by accident that we are where we are in terms of our businesses or our homestead or, or even our kids, you know, like all of that has taken a lot of work and energy and regular consistent work and energy, not like a yeah little surges here and there. And regular failures. So many. And I always think way about more like, than the successes. I you would know, say. like entrepreneurs always say, like fail and fail fast. So yeah, the faster can... you fail, the farther you'll go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is always like, well, I guess I'm doing really good then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I think that's our problem too, is we'll have one success and that fuels us to do a ton of more things and then we fail those a lot. And then, we, fails. and then we yeah. get into depressions and <laughs> have to work our way back out of those. Yeah. Anyway. It's a big cyclical nature to it. <laughs> so, yeah. We have a pattern. I, we all have patterns, right? But we wanted to list out, at least this is my thought, that we could list out a lot of the disappointments that we've had. Um, and continue to have so that you could maybe commiserate with us a little bit and understand that you're a not alone and b like there is a point to all this messiness like I mean I don't know that we're at the end of our journey you can say look at where we are and it's all perfect and good but I will say we talk to people all the time who come to our place and they say this is my dream and I think to myself this is a hot mess disaster (laughs) like (laughs) you're crazy if this is all you can dream of but if I was 20 again this would be my dream also if this if I was even 30 again it would also be my dream Mm, I feel like there's maybe a lesson in that in and of itself I have to say, like, getting up in the morning and moving the cows, like, on our property, mm. not the shoes, because that's just, like, <laughs> sa- that's Satan's pasture. The shoe, if you don't know, we have a lease land, lease property that we're regeneratively managing, and there's about 16 cows out there. Yeah, somewhere around 16. Somewhere around 16. <laughs> they keep dying. So there, we'll start some of them, there. Yeah, some of them are dying. So if somebody gives you free cows, just know there's only about a 30% chance they will live. So. Yeah. <laughs> we knew that they, we knew that the cows yeah. were gonna uh, some of them were gonna some die of them, yeah and it's a very hard property like for anything cows included to live mm. on but the goal is to regenerate it and we're getting there but it's yeah it's painful and it, even knowing that the cows are gonna die some of the cows are gonna die let's keep saying that yeah. um <laughs> that it, it's still some of them are thriving some of them so are it's thriving. not like we're mismanaging right. some of the cows are just terrible terrible genetics so but they're free so you're like well let's just see at least they're gonna poop on this land a little bit and that'll help right but yeah it's still difficult like losing animals is always difficult that's somewhere on our list right lots of oh yes dead animals yeah so it's part of homesteading part of farming it should be in some ways part of life the understanding of life and death in my opinion oh yeah just in general you should Right. I think people can yeah. get far too attached to animals. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being attached to animals, but they will always die. Right. And I mean, so will humans. So everything else. Everything are, dies. Yeah. But like, especially to animals that are meant for, you know, like food, you know, like. Right. And that t- it, the first few times it takes that. And then you have to build up. And I don't want to say callous because that's not it. I think it's an understanding, it's a connection. It's not a callous. Anyways. No, because I, I still like. I, we've talked about before, like, even on chicken slaughtering day, which yeah. I feel like chickens are, like, I don't know. Goldfish. Goldfish, kind of, like, I still think it's a sacred act in that it shouldn't be mm, taken absolutely. lightly anytime you take a life. Even picking veggies, I mean, you're you're still killing something, and it should be considered, like, 
you know, in like the weight of us living is something yeah. else. Has I, to die. I always think about it like in Judaism, there's always like a blessing for everything, and you know, like when you pick fruit, there's a blessing, and um, mm. before you eat and after you eat, it's like you know, if we stop to be say thankful. those blessings, stop to be thankful. I mean, it doesn't have to be like a prescribed blessing, but just to like say to the Creator, thank you for this, mm. and to whatever we're harvesting, thank you. For your life you know yeah. i think the world would be a better place if we all paused for a second for that i think the air that think you can air, take a deep yeah breath. i mean where does it go i mean it could be endless it might get a little silly at some point but. so dead animals i don't know well you're jumping ahead my list started I, oh like from weightiness of them sort of yeah okay. maybe not I, I just want to say one more thing about dead animals that for me, the hardest part about dead animals is when you have little kids and they discover the dead animals. Aww. Like that's quite honestly what breaks, that breaks my heart more mm. than a dead animal. The wailing and the gnashing of the teeth is—it's yeah. a very difficult thing to manage those emotions. And then, like, however, they get like more connected to it or understand it more. Yeah. And then it's kind of like. I don't know. I don't. I don't worry about them. I, I, in some ways, I'm. I'm more worried about people who have not had that experience. Yeah. I'm more worried about sociopaths who don't understand what death feels like. And I do think that our society is a coddled and babied society to the point where there's wow. people going out <laughs> and doing mass shootings because they don't understand the implications of actual death, yeah. and they've come to terms with death through video games uh. and and other online opportunities to not understand what violence really looks like and if we don't experience violence which is death i mean and i don't think violent but yeah you're like slaughtering a, a chicken there's a bit of violence there involved, is violence, right yeah. and or I, if like a predator rips open a chicken or a sheep or something like oh, that that's, that's i mean yeah violent. holy cow that's so yeah. violent but the truth is is that that violent like streak or whatever is a probably an innate human quality characteristic that makes us able to survive and it's mischanneled. And if we want to get to the root of these shootings and mass killings, that's the problem. These people are disassociated with reality. And when you experience death on a regular basis, you get real quickly grounded back into what reality is. Mm, yeah. Anyways. Okay. Wow. There you go. Oof. All we right. had, we did do a whole podcast we called did. Death on the Homestead. We did, yeah, yeah. So, so we can we can keep going. So we'll let's keep going. Let's start at the beginning of your list. You, I know you're dying for this one. The fruit trees and the bushes. This is the bane of Lacey's existence. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I mean, what sounds better than going to pick your own blueberries? Um, picking your own blueberries at your own property, yeah. enough to store and make jellies and jams and dry and all of the things. And I say, I mean, we, we, we just got off this year of Shemitah and it's like been a terrible fruit year for us, I would say. Probably the worst uh, we've had in years. Yeah, I don't know that. I feel like the wildlife would disappear. <laughs> right, okay. The wildlife is very wildlife excited is about doing, our... Enjoying it. But to the point where they're like killing the blueberry bushes, so we're going to have to deal with that. But all that to say is like, you know, I really thought, oh, this year we're going to sit back, relax, and just like walk around from all the perennials to the other perennials and eat. And I mean, another example is we've planted probably 20 hazelnut bushes and pulled off three hazelnuts in the last 10 years. I mean, we planted them 10 years ago and they're yeah. giant. And they have lots of foliage and look very healthy. And we planted and, those because every permaculture person says you got to have hazelnuts growing. Well, they're native and, and they make native. a nut continuously. And you can use in coppice and use the, the branches for a lot of different things. Yeah. And they haven't made us a single harvest of hazelnuts. And no one can tell us why. 
Who knows? We might have to take our own advice and just chop them to the ground and plant something else. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. They'll just grow back. Yeah. Anyways. So that, trees and bushes, driving us crazy. Trees we and, also bought yeah. how, how many hundreds of dollars worth of chestnuts when we bought, when we moved here? Uh, we bought like seven trees. And they were like $100 each? No, they were like 30 or $40 okay. each. Wow. At it that time, it felt like $100 because we were poor. It, yeah, we were poor. And we did like really focus when we moved in on planting perennials. And I think one of the big mistakes we made, like looking back, is water. Like, I know this is like our thing we always say, but we like planted this orchard and we were like, you know, like trying to do the permaculture way. And we were like, all right, well, you don't ever see anybody putting drip irrigation on their fruit trees. So we'll just plant out all these fruit trees and the ones that make it don't make it and the ones that don't. They're the don't, strong ones. They'll they, be they the can strong do it. ones. Yeah. And like, then you start reading like Mark Shepard and he's like, well, I plant like a thousand apple trees and four make it and those mm-hmm. are the ones. And it's like, Whoa, wait, like a thousand. Uh, to be fair, I don't think Mark Shepard ever said that. Yeah, he did. Did he really? It's something like that. Yeah, yeah but he, I don't he know the exact. From seeds or something. Yeah, he like plants them though. Yeah. I don't know the exact numbers, but it's something like four out of a thousand. Yeah. It, it's an insane amount. It was an, yeah. So, you know, it's like. But his goal is to like create this like resilient like variety that he can always rely on and yeah. we are not in a space to do that that we was not what we, we wanted couldn't to do. plant a thousand if we wanted trees if we wanted no. to yeah so point being like we had to learn that mistake the hard way yeah. i mean that was a that was a lot of financial loss on that one yeah and, and not I, just financial immediate financial when the trees die but also financial because it was time investment and the longer you have a tree planted the more likely you're going to reharvest yeah. you know so it's like we've lost all that time you know anyway and this year the apple trees all have a good amount of apples and this is the first year but like this is our shemitah year so like the deer and the squirrels and everybody will probably be taking all our apples which before we get to I, them. I hope they enjoy them that's all i'm gonna say about that <laughs> uh, they'll be maybe the meat will be tastier yeah maybe the, the deer meat. <laughs> not squirrel not squirrel yeah gross anyway uh, but lots of dead plants so you know how many plant people say oh i just don't have a green thumb i'm like if you knew how many plants i killed you say i don't have a green thumb either but you have to plant a ton if you want to get plants. Yeah. It's yeah. why people pay so much for plants from a greenhouse because aren't those so pretty? Well, you know how many seeds and whatnot they or propagations they did to get that amount and quality of plant? A lot. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's really important that we put that into perspective. However, it doesn't change the fact that if you lose a tray of a like rare variety specialty heirloom plant to slugs overnight, that's still going to be extremely frustrating. Yeah. And, and hard, hurt, hurt. But that's and, okay yeah. because that's part of Ugh. the failing and moving forward. <laughs> uh, fencing. We have, fencing. We've definitely uh. talked a lot about fencing, but I, you know, if we started racking up like the financial, like, ding, we're now at about $25,000 wasted, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> well, it's not. We're not saying wasted. <laughs> we're saying lessons learned. The school the- of hard knocks. <laughs> So fencing, like our most recent one, is we just had a massive poplar tree go over our really nice Brand new. fence that we paid somebody else to put in like way too much money. And we literally recorded the fencing podcast and said, this is the best fence ever. It will never be destroyed. <laughs> and literally within two days, we had a storm roll through and knock over two giant trees and bust out the fence in two God, pieces. And God was like, oh, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> But we repaired the fence. It's and a comedy of it, it will never look as good as it did, but it's mm-hmm. there. I would say the other like disappointments on the homestead, since that's the topic, is with fencing is just like 
the learning curve of fencing. Mm. And go back to our fencing podcast to hear more about yeah. that. Absolutely. Uh, okay. How to avoid all of the mistakes that we've made and thousands of dollars that we've spent. Listen to that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the house falling apart. I mean, meanwhile, trying to keep the homestead running outside. We've had myriad different. We bought a fixer-upper. Obviously, it was like a terrible house that we bought. And we've done a ton to fix it up. And that's like a money pit, right? You know, like you never are the end of that. That's like um, the the inside of the homestead. The inside. But you have to live here, right? Like it has to be yeah. enjoyable. And yet somehow you never get to that place where it's like done. I will say like that is one thing like with homesteading, like holistic homesteading, being happy with where you live, like not compromising that, hmm. I think is very important. Like if you're not happy when you go inside, like it's going to be very difficult, I guess is what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. creating like a sanctuary. We've done a few houses where we've fixed them up. And I don't like, I remember our first house, Lacey kind of set this rule. She was like, let's make this one room really nice so we can go in there and close the door. And like the rest of the house, like you remember that at Harley? Like the rest of the house was like concrete floor. Like we couldn't quite afford to put the hardwood flooring in yet. So it was like concrete dust everywhere. We had already ripped out the carpets and like the rest of the house was like decimated. But you went in this one room that was like five feet by six feet because we lived in a tiny house at the moment and it was like completely finished. And so you could close the door and it'd be like, ah. It was like our sanctuary. Like for a minute, you could forget like that you had concrete dust on your feet, and they were like drying out and all that. But we've kind of always done that with every house that we fixed up, like that. And our respite. Yeah, like, and we always focus on the inside before the outside because when you're inside, who cares what the outside looks like? Mm. So yeah, um, so house stuff. House. We've lost so many hives of bees when we bee moved hives, here. Yeah. We had like that's half the reason we wanted land is we were at the time we had eight, seven or eight hives that yeah. we were putting on somebody else's property. And well, we started with two in our backyard. Two in our backyard, right? We were on a quarter, less than a quarter acre. And then we we're like, okay, we want more hives. So we got more hives, put them on somebody else's property. And then after that, you know, they were successful for years. Yeah. And then we moved down here, moved the hives. And within two years, they were all dead. Every last one of those hives. Yeah. And we come to find out our neighbor sprays like Roundup spray in a 20 acres next to us with GMO ready corn and soybeans and Bees cannot live in that. So, but no matter what, that's a very disappointing and heartbreaking because you know the whole we loved beekeeping at that time, and yeah. now we have like this hurt, like a <laughs> bad breakup. Yeah, <laughs> um, because we still try every it once in a while, them, but they still ours. always die. Anyways, yeah. okay, can't get back out of our property to make sense. Okay, also we're on this acreage, right? We bought, now knowing what we know, obviously, we would go in. If we were buying, maybe you're not, maybe, and I actually wanted to point this out to people who are, like, looking for a property to buy. Hire us for a homestead audit so that we can help you find just the right property. or Not, like, as a realtor, but, like, we can evaluate properties for you and really do a consult to help make sure that you are getting what you want. Before they buy it? Before, yeah. 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 That'd be fun. I'd love to do that. Um. Cause I know right now, like we know what pasture should look like. If like if we were gonna move to a farm or to a place to homestead, we would know what exactly what to look for. Oh my gosh, yes. Can you imagine how yes. different it would be? It'd be amazing. We bought this house because it was an auction, and we put in a bid, and we won it. I'd still buy this house. <laughs> 
Anyway, it's great now. I'd buy it now. I could afford you, it now. If you went back to my budget back then, I'd still yeah. buy these houses. <laughs> However, it's like 10 acres, and it was all wooded when we moved in. And we had to cut down so many. We cut so many trees, and we still are like, we need to cut down more trees. It's like trees. Mordor out here. <laughs> no, it looks amazing because we don't ever cut down all of the trees. But we've, in order to have a garden, we had to cut down probably 30 trees in order to do fencing and a number of different things. We've just had so many trees cut out. And yet we have this whole back part of our property. It's seven acres behind our pond that you really can't access because there's just one very narrow laneway from the front part of our property to the back of the property. So it's, you know, just things that we didn't know to think about in terms of like accessibly being able to put animals back there. I think, yeah, I think there's an element of like homesteaders have like the love goggles. Oh, I'll fix it. I'll you fix know? it. It's like you, yeah. anything is better than what I have now. Yeah, yeah. You just look at it. You're like, it's land. I can fix it. Yeah. And I mean, that's a challenging one. Like I would love to like be able to look at properties with people that want to buy them and be like, okay, here's the pluses and minuses. Here's how much like, it's going to cost you if you buy this property that's completely wooded, you know, you're going to have to have a mulcher out and it's going to cost this and it's going to take this time. Like that would be, man, that would be amazing. If I, there was, I really regret this actually. A few years ago, like towards the mountains, I saw, I spotted this, it was a biodynamic farm that was up for sale and I don't remember how many acres, it wasn't a ton, but it was $250,000 and I thought to myself, that is just so much money. Like that's crazy. And this was several years ago. I maybe, maybe even like eight years ago. If I saw that now, I'd be gone in a heartbeat because it already had fruit trees. It already had grapevines. It already had, yeah, yeah, like literally everything, a beautiful house. And, you know, if I was going to do it all over again, then I I wouldn't leave this property unless I was moving someplace that had like established orchards. Yeah. (laughs) And pastures that were like beautiful. So anyway, yeah. So that's a frustration that kind of hits us every once in a while. And we're like, okay, how do we make this work? And we do take our animals back there, but it's just still, there's thousands of dollars to spend back there to really get it to place that would be sort of what we need it to be to have more livestock. And the kids often hate this life. <laughs> I mean, well, often is the strong word. I don't uh, feel like it's yeah, often. Yeah, I don't think it's often. I think kids... Like once a day for about 10 minutes. I think kids are resistant to... Work. Work in general. Like, I don't know. Find me some kids that love helping on the homestead every single day. I don't think you can find them. With any amount of chores. Yeah. I mean, our kids do great with most of the time. Yeah, they do. But, you know, sometimes you're like, is it really worth it to to push them to do these things or to, like, expect them to do these things? I mean, there was there's a much simpler way of living. That- and I, but, again, I think, like, that's one of the reasons, like, for me that we chose this lifestyle was so that our kids knew what hard work was. Like, even if they end up... They are hard workers, and I will yeah. tell you that we often get the compliment from other people that our kids can work and they are helpful and... We expect a lot from them. We do. Like, maybe it's so, too much sometimes. And but. but they expect a lot from themselves, and I've heard them complain about other people in their lives. Yeah. Uh, in their same age range, and they're like, they don't do anything, you know? Or they, and or they couldn't pick that up. Like, you know, it's a different lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, our 11-year-old, when we get the feed load, which is like, the last one was like 2,500 pounds of 50-pound 50 fa- 50 bags, she'll help us unload the whole thing like no she, she's picking up 50 pound bags and stacking them so i mean there's not too many 11 year olds that can pick up 50 pounds i can tell you right now six-year-olds cannot help with that no six-year-olds <laughs> six that have four moms yeah. don't maybe really never help. will ever. <laughs> yeah, i'm worried about it but <laughs> moving on <laughs> um i we also have fencing on the list because you know 
we maybe should mention fencing. <laughs> um, and then also like just even the amount of work that we've done and undone is so frustrating and, and gardening is a major example of that. So for example, we had like set up all these beautiful terrace gardens down the hillside on our south facing side. And then we decided that our house needed to have work done. And even though that the house wasn't like technically like in the garden, it was because the, the trucks and stuff that came in here destroyed it all. And so it was like, okay, we literally started at square one when we did a remodel of our home with our garden, which is, you know, a bit devastating. If you garden for a while, you know, like this is, you know, your lifeblood basically in this place. Yeah. Like we have beautiful black topsoil Mm -hmm. and stuff. And now it's like back to clay. Although it's coming back around. Yeah. It's been a couple of years. It's coming back. Getting there. But anyway. I have to always remind, I was telling somebody in one of like the regenerative groups that we're in that like, you know, nature never hurries because the guy was like, how do I get my pasture back? today you know and it's like one of Lacey's holistic context is she wants to walk the entire property barefoot and so like out our back door where we drink our coffee in the morning it was like gravel for years it's finally like now clover and it's pretty comfortable to walk barefoot hmm. so except now you have to watch out for honeybees <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just you know it takes time to heal the earth yeah it takes time it takes time to make you know, carve out your own little spot and that's okay. It's okay that it takes time. It's okay that it takes mistakes. And that's the main point of our having this disappointments on the homestead episode was to help you realize I feel like there that should be like a, a jingle just like wah, wah. <laughs> disappointments on the homestead. <laughs> we could have regular episodes. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Every time we have a disappointment, uh, we chime in. As somebody that is Would you like, want to listen to that podcast? <laughs> as, I wonder. So, as somebody that has positivity in their top five, I yeah. I am really He's having very a adverse very adverse to it. Uh, yeah. I do. Meanwhile I'm like, Oh, remember that time we failed at that? That was funny. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I would prefer positive experiences on the homestead. Yippee. There's something that would be the that would be the jingle <laughs> for that one. <laughs> There'd be a lot fewer episodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway. That's what we can do. I can do one, <laughs> and you can do one, and we'll have like a. I'm not a negative Nancy. <laughs> I see things for what they're worth. Yeah. <laughs> but I, and I am grateful for those mistakes, and honestly, I'm so grateful because you know so many people have had us out to their homesteads. A lot of people who are in very similar places to where we were 15 to 20 years ago, and we're able to say, look. This is where you should focus your time and energy because this is where the greatest payoff will be, not only for your homestead, but for your your own peace of mind and, yeah. you know, let so, get that holistic peace. Of a lot mind. of times we go to them and we're like, that was Lacey and Drew 20 years <laughs> ago. Like, I'm so glad we got oh, to meet them. I know, yes. And our hearts just like kind of hurt a little bit knowing how hard it is at that time of life. Yeah. But then also. And knowing that you don't know anything. Like, you know, like you're just starting from scratch and you're like, please, somebody just help me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I I will say that's been my favorite part of the the homestead audit so far is that we get this one-on-one time. I know there are a lot of choices out there when it comes to learning and education and that kind of thing. But if somebody could have just like shaken me literally, like physically and maybe hugged me and, and, and looked at our property in a very unique and like personalized way I just can't even imagine how different things would have been I would have felt like a different kind of nourishment and probably a different kind of like hope and vision for our property long term yeah and I I think we would be in a much different place I I mean you know it's I don't I don't want to say I'm but we're here now so we can do that for other people maybe yeah 
that's our legacy. Is we I mean, you do don't that. have to be 20 years younger than us, though. We no. <laughs> can help you, you no matter what your age. You can be 20 years older. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just the newness to this lifestyle. And a lot of people wait until retirement to get started with this lifestyle. And, you know, we didn't. We probably did it the harder way. Cause if, but I will tell you, if you're in retirement and you're, like, spending all your retirement money on your homestead, just get an audit because you might save a bundle and you won't waste all your retirement yeah, that's money. that's true. Yeah. The, tr- the nice thing about doing it when you have zero dollars is you can't spend that much. Right. You yeah. can't waste too much money. Yeah. All right. So that's it for this episode <laughs> of Disappointments on the Homestead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was not rehearsed. That wasn't, but that, that really harmonized well. Um, but if you want a homestead audit, go to theschoolhouselife.com. It's at the top in the yellow bar and get yourself scheduled one and we'll come out and help you so that hopefully you don't have quite the same list of disappointments on the homestead. Thanks for listening.